Welcome to the new. Every experience with God's Word promises to be refreshing and transformational. Receive today's message with high expectations as it brings power, light, and a fresh anointing to your life. Um, this is why Apostle Paul prayed Ephesians 1 that the eyes of my understanding be enlightened. When, when you pray in the Spirit and you read the Word or you hear the Word, it comes to life. It comes alive in your spirit. That's why I asked you to pray in the spirit because what I want to share with you today um, is not just a word for your spirit alone because the subject we are dealing with today transcends beyond just the spirit. It speaks very deeply to the soul. And I am trusting God that this word of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance would um, transform your life by the teaching of his word this morning. So I'd like your heart to be open. This is a very interesting subject and it's one that requires teaching of the word of God. Um, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is different from self-help. Alright? And while there's nothing wrong with self-help, books or teachings and the likes, of course, not the excessiveness of it, um, the gospel and self-help, they are different. Why? Because one has power and the other one has information and knowledge. And I'll put it this way, one has information knowledge and power the other has only have only information and knowledge the gospel of our lord jesus christ is backed with the power every time you hear the word it comes with that power to hit to crush to change and to transform that's the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so whenever we hear the word of God like this, and I'm about to, like you're about to hear right now, it's going to touch the areas of your life that requires that word to come to, there, to that place. Father, right now, let the healing begin right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me start by saying this. The way love is a force. And a force like a flood is the same way strife, unforgiveness is also a force. Look at me, everyone. Love is a spiritual force. If you read Galatians chapter 5 verse 22, you see it right there. That this is one of the fruits of the Spirit. In fact, Jesus said it this way. He said, the new commandment I've given to you. That you should love one another. Love is a force. So also, is strife and unforgiveness. As love is a force, strife and unforgiveness is also a force. Strife destroys destinies. It destroys families. 
it destroys nations a good example is Nigeria one of the root causes of the challenges that we see economically as a nation is not only in the political landscape and the bad leaders that we have it's the root cause that comes with tribalism that brews strife strife is the weapon of war that the enemy uses to destroy a nation to destroy family to destroy people that's why you can have a family the husband is not talking to the wife for for years the brother is not talking to the sister for for years you go through the lineage of that family and you discover what destroyed this family was not that they didn't they didn't have a common goal or a common vision no family ever starts out by saying the plan of this family is that we want to be destroyed it's the same way nobody ever planned to get married and they ask you why are you getting married and you say the reason why we are getting married is because we plan to divorce nobody starts out like that but in the middle of it the devil understand his strategy let me get strife into the system and then I can destroy these people the Bible says in the book of Galatians 19 and verse um, Galatians 5 verse 19 let's go there open your Bibles if you have one if you have the Galatians 5 19 thank you media please let's put our hands together for them that's fast it says now the works of the flesh let's read together everybody do you mind do you mind somebody said no all right let's read together one two three go give me the king james version the king james version the king james version one of the practices that i want to imbibe in the new this season as we go forward as a church is the understanding and the study of the word whereby when we're reading the bible or we are teaching the word i like everyone to read the bible don't just don't just listen read the bible open the text if you have a hard copy bible underline that part of the text all right if you have a phone that you use there's a way you can use your, those you know highlighters to do it underline it this helps you every time when you go back to the scriptures to reference it and then most times if you observed those things you underline and you highlight when you go back there you sometimes remember the teaching that was referred to when you went to that place it helps you put your information together and it helps you grow in the knowledge of God glory to God alright so let's go there one two three and let's read in that place do you see the neighbors and the family friends of strife did you see now let me say something here strife stops the most powerful force which is love and you cannot have faith without it being powered by love so the Bible says the just shall leave by faith which means the justified how many of you are justified here 
the justified shall live by faith. It means the way you live your life on the earth, the Bible Father says without faith, it's impossible to please God. That he that comes to God must believe that he is and is a rewarder of those that that seek him. It means that if you do not have faith, you can't please God. And then the Bible then further says that the way you live on the earth is by faith. And we also know that faith without works is dead. And we also know that faith, the powering machine of faith is love. In other words, if strife is a force and strife is in your life, it means you don't have faith. And when you don't have faith, you can't please God. When you don't have faith, you can leave because the just shall leave by faith. It means strife would be in your life. You might be alive, but you are not living because faith has been punctured by the force of strife. This subject is so critical. It's not one of those subjects where we just push here and there in the Bible. It's very, very critical. And that's why I want to give it that sense of uh, importance in this teaching this morning. Now we know the Bible says, First Thessalonians chapter five, verse twenty-three. I pray that your whole spirit, soul, and body. So we've talked about this before. That man is a spirit; he has a soul, and he lives in a body. This morning, I want to focus on the soulish part of man, and I want to focus a little bit on that side of your of your soul. Now. Give me Hebrews 4 verse 12 first. Hebrews 4 verse 12. The word of God is quick. Alright, look at this everyone. Can we go there? Can we look at this? It says, The word of God is quick, powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of what? Oh, let me hear you. The new where? And where? And spirit and joint and marrow. When you see joint and marrow speaks of body. So what he's saying in other words is that this word of God is able to reach your spirit, your soul, and your body. Are you hear what I'm saying? So the word of God is not only limited to your spirit. This word can reach your soul and it can reach your body. The same way the word of God can heal your physical body is the same way the, the word of God can heal your soul. Now, we know also that your soul is made up of your will, your emotions, and your imaginations. And now these three parts of the soulish realm of a man plays a very functional role in the life of that man. This is why we say that it's very possible that you are very spiritual but at least insignificant. Why? Because the soulish part of your life, you didn't pay attention to it. You didn't give attention to imagination. You didn't give attention to your emotional you know, stability and the likes. But you see, in this realm of the soul, which has your emotions, which have your imaginations, and which has your will, are very critical parts that the devil knows. I can't touch the soul, the spirit, of a recreated human person who is born again. But I can manipulate his soul. Are you getting what I'm saying? And that's why the word of God can sit and speak to that soulish part of your life. Now, in the soulish part of your life, which is your, your soul, yeah, I said you have your will, you have your emotions, and you have your imaginations. When you get hurt or get offended, what gets hurt and gets offended, the trigger, the response, 
happens in your soul. Look at me, everyone. You see this teaching this morning? You might not be offended today. Or you might not be hot today. Somebody say, <laughs> why do you think I came for this service? <laughs> but I just want you to listen. Because uh, Jesus said in Luke 17, he says it's impossible for offense not to come. It's impossible. So I want you to listen very critically. You see me in five years and you thank me for today's message. Now listen. When you get offended, what happens is that there is an impact of that feeling of discomfort or that pain that comes with offense. That feeling impacts your soul. Now, what happens is that there is a process. It impacts your soul like a dent on your soul. And because your soul is made up of your emotions, your will and your imagination, your emotion feels that dent. Your emotion reacts to that dent. Then your imagination now begins to escalate that dent. Your imagination now begins to take you on journeys of why did he do this to me? Why did she do this to me? How come she spoke to me like that? How come he spoke to me like that? How come my mom did not greet me like this? How come they love this person? Your emotion, your imagination now sets in and begins to cause that trigger that begins to blow it out of, a, out of proportion. Guess what? Have you realized that every time your imagination sets in, many times those things your imagination was saying were true. At the time you were seeing it with the lens you are seeing it. Your imagination just takes over, drags you by the hand and starts taking you on a discussion. The same way you can be here and be in Dubai right now. Somebody, can we go? Somebody just went to Dubai. But in your mind, you are here. But in your mind, you are there. That's how your, your, your imagination takes you when you're offended. If they carry you, go where you don't know. Let me show you a process of how hurt and offense starts to happen. Write this down. Number one. It starts out as an event. Then it moves to a corresponding action. And then it moves to thoughts. You begin to think about it. How come this thing happened to me? How come I allow this thing to happen to me? Then it moves into interpretation and estimation. You then begin to interpret the situation. And then finally, there will then be behavioral changes that will then come about by the processing of these things. Luke chapter 17 and verse 1. Luke 17 verse 1. Whoosh! I'm so excited. You know why? Somebody asked me why. Because some people are just about to get set free right now. Whoosh! Glory to God. And then he said to his disciples, this is Jesus speaking here, look at this. It says, then he said to his disciples, it's impossible that no offense should come. But woe to him through whom they come. Next verse. It says, it would be better for him if a milestone would hung around his neck and were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Next verse. Verse 3. Look at this. So, It says, take heed to yourself. For if your brother sin against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. Watch this. 
verse 4. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, seven times in a day return to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Not you should. You shall. The word shall is an affirmation, which must. Another word for shall is must. Now watch this. Verse 4. I started to laugh. Let's go there. Verse 5. Verse 5. Give me verse 5. Okay, let's clap for them again. Look at what they said. And the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. <laughs> Did you see that? It's like, Eh? Wait. Eh? Bobo, increase my faith for this one. <laughs> then look at Jesus' response. Verse 6. Watch verse 6. And the Lord said, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you shall say to this marble tree, Be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Look at what he was trying to say, in other words. What Jesus was saying is that the forgiveness is in you. Even though it's as small as a mustard seed, it's small, but it's right there within you. You don't need an extra faith, a large kind to do this kind. Because say, what they were expecting from him was probably an impartation. I need some kind of faith to be able to forgive my brother seven times. And you're going to tell me that every time he comes back to me, I'm going to have to say, I forgive you seven times. Increase my faith, Jesus. I can't do this one. And Jesus says to them simply, He says, if you have a faith as small as a mustard seed. Now we explain a mustard seed to be the tiniest, littlest, smallest seed that you can find. This small seed. And Jesus says that this small seed can move mountains. In other words, what Jesus was saying is that that small seed of letting go can move a mountain in your life. Oh, boy. That some mountains in your life is not praying in the spirit. That some mountain in your life is not casting out the devils. That some mountain in your life is that you just forgive that person and watch that mountain level up. So how many mountains are you carrying up and down? You move mountains. You cause I move mountains. So he says, there's no special faith for this kind. The faith that you require for this is within you. Remember I taught you something last week that God said to us. He says, I'm removing the stony heart from you. I'm giving you a new heart. Once you are born again, the recreated human spirit that you have inside of you has the capacity. I tell you the truth by the spirit. You actually have that capacity to let go you know why because Galatians 5 verse 22 talks about the fruits of the spirit the fruit of the spirit is not something you get 
or you go by. The moment you give your life to Christ, you're born again, you have the Holy Ghost inside of you. That fruit is right within your spirit. So he says, these mountains in your life, the little forgiveness that I choose to let go will level this thing up. Somebody say, God, increase my faith. <laughs> I'm going to teach you something towards the end, which I call the faith to forgive. Faith to forgive. Let me say something here. You cannot want to be Joseph and not forgive like Joseph. You cannot want to be made perfect like Jesus and not forgive like Jesus. Then at the cross, someone's going to look at you and say, you're a thief, one like us. Okay, Father, forgive us. Looks at him and says, this day, you will be with me in paradise. What will be your response? So how come we want to be all of these things, but we want to have the consecration required for all of these things? God can do anything he wants to do with my life, any way he wants to do it. Yes, I believe. Top two people around you say, level up, level up, level up. Now it's very interesting that the mission statement of Jesus did not leave us without speaking to that part. Then it suggests to us also in the book of Luke chapter 4 verse 18 that Jesus was privy to the fact that in this life we're going to have this problem. So when Jesus was talking about his mission statement, what he came to do on the earth, he then started to talk about these things. Look at what it says here. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Look at what it says next. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. That came next. <laughs> it meant that from heaven where Jesus was standing and seated before he came to the earth, God probably told him that, you know, one of the problems that is going on down there is problem of offense and unforgiveness. So he came and he quickly said it. There are many poor people I need to help. Number two, there are many people whose hearts are broken and they are not going to become what I want them to become because of their hearts. So he said, I have come to heal their broken heart. Look at the combination of the words further. It then says, to proclaim liberty to the captive. If you read this, I checked it out in the Hebrew. The way those, this text was written was without a comma. You know, English has a way of putting it together. It was actually written together as a sentence. Let me explain it this way. It says, he has sent me to heal the broken hearted to proclaim liberty to the captive, which means the broken hearted is a captive. It then says to set to uh, and, and to re recover the sight to the blind, which means that when you are offended, you know that when you are offended, it's only one perspective you can see, and it's only your perspective. And when you see only a perspective, that's why God gave us two eyes. Are you getting what I'm saying? If you see only one perspective, you are blind. So I would heal their broken heart, and by the time I'm done healing their broken heart, 
the one eyes that is closed they will see clearly and they will be liberated from the chain of captivity that they are holding themselves in That's why the Bible says in John 14 verse 27 talks about the gospel of peace. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 15 spoke about the gospel of peace. I spoke to you about the gospel of peace and what the gospel of peace means. The gospel of peace means the power to control. Peace there means the power to control. So let me put this here to you. This is where it begins to get a little more interesting. Look at me everyone please. Sometimes in your life, hmm, God by himself is the one that permitted that event to happen. But is the same one that is consciously protecting you from the effect of that thing. You didn't get what I said. God is the one that permitted that event to happen. And I'll show you in the scripture. I'll show you in the scripture. Do you remember the story about John the Baptist who told the disciples go and meet Jesus? Where is the, are you the one? This is the same person who was proclaiming that the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. Behold the Lamb of God. He's the same person that saw him after some time. Said, what is going on here? I'm in jail. He told the disciples go and call him. Go and meet Jesus. Jesus they going to meet Jesus. They said, can't you see? Go back and tell him the blind sees the lame walk. He said, blessed are those who are not offended in me. What shot the life of John the Baptist was his offense with Jesus. I will show you in the scripture. Because there are things we preach sometimes that we don't have a biblical foundation and balance for these things. So that you can see that when the Bible says he's the one at work in you, it means some of those things going on, he permitted it. That's why the Bible says, had they known they would not have crucified the king of glory, there are certain situations God himself permits to allow to happen, but he's watching consciously that the effect of that thing doesn't take you down. Open your Bible with me. Let's get into it. Romans chapter 9, verse 20, 33. Romans chapter 9 and verse 33. Today, you're going to see Jesus in a new light. Amen. It says, as it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. And whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Do you know who they are talking about here? It's Jesus. Who? It was Jesus this scripture was referencing. It says, this stone in Zion would be a rock of offense. <laughs> I hope you are really ready for this one. It says, This stone in Zion will be the rock of offense, and whosoever believes on him, he will not put him to shame. Now, go to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 6. Remember our practice? You write it and you read the scripture. 1 Peter 2 6. It says, Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious. And he who believes on him will no means be put to shame. Next verse, verse 7. It says, therefore, if you believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Next verse, verse 8. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, they stumble 
being disobedient to the word to which they were appointed. So the Bible here was talking about the fact that this rock of offense we are even talking about is actually Jesus. But that rock of offense is not in your life to put you down. The rock of offense happens as allows sometimes your life to prune you into becoming what he has designed for you to become. I'll show you in the scripture. Open with me to first John chapter 15. John 15 and verse 1. Let me say something here. Look at me, everyone. There are certain events and activities that would happen in your life that I tell you by the truth. If you don't go through that situation, your perspective of yeah cannot change. I'm talking about God. Your perspective will not change. In fact, when you go through certain situations, you will begin to see God in a different way. I'll give an example. I shared a story with you yesterday, last week. When I was growing up, my dad's, my, my mom passed, my dad had a wife, and she lost her gold in the house, and she said I was the one that took her gold. Me, dad, I, did, I was on drink gold. I didn't even know anything about all those things. So you took my gold. Put the blame on me. I told you my response. My response was that I will blow in this life, and once I blow, I will go before her. I just spray money up. You may just carry stacks of money. Just throw it all. I said, you, can't, you can see it, but you can't touch it. I told you I will make it. Let me tell you what God did for me in that process. He was trying to, I'm telling you the truth. Because you see, when you are offended, how you respond to it, and the lessons God is trying to show you with that thing, is very critical to the outcome of that, inf- that thing in your life. What God helped me to do in that time was that, even though I was very offended at it at the time, God made me understand, I'm telling you the honest truth, the concept of his continuous love for us. To the point when the Holy Spirit started saying to me, you have to let go of this thing, oh. you have to let go of this thing, oh. you have to let go of this thing. In my mind, I was angry. How will I let go of this thing? What kind of a thing is this? I want to tear shit like a gogan. I want to just vex. But you see what the Lord was doing with me? It was changing my mind on how I see life. Because you see, the impact, number one impact that the dent of offense causes in our life is that we change the way we see life, we see people, we see God. And the moment those three things are distorted in your life, you can't have a good life anymore. I tell you the truth. So the Bible says, Jesus is that rock of offense. I'll show you a few things here. John chapter 15, let's start from verse 1. It says, I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Next verse, verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, it takes away. And every branch that bears fruits, it prunes. What I would expect that Jesus would say here, that every branch that bears fruit, I would just leave them. So in other words, what Jesus is saying that once I see you bearing fruit, I will come and identify myself with you. And when I come to identify myself with you, I will prune you. I will sharpen you out. And Jesus doesn't sharpen out by himself. People have to be used to sharpen him out, you out. It's the same way, are you getting what I'm saying? It's the same way Jesus cannot kill himself by himself. The devil has to be employed in the film, in the movie of killing Jesus. 
somebody has to be used is the accuser of the brethren that must be used the same way are they known they would have crucified jesus christ of glory and they eventually crucified him by the devil himself laughing to scum and say finally i got this guy he did not know that there was waiting for him eternal weight of glory which means that when that thing happens in your life on the other side the devil would have said kai had i known i wouldn't have sent that person to do this thing to this person because let me tell you something the devil has to use events activities people thoughts occasion when you come there you see glory in a different way you see god in a different way that's why you can remain on the same level let me tell you something see the word prune that means you are sharpening something out you remember when we were growing up there was this thing we used to do like um, javelin or something like that Catap- it's not really catapults like those things blade sharpen the thing like this I just remember something growing up. I know all of you went to like very tush schools and all that. Did you, if you play rubber, if you played rubber, let me see. I know you, Pastor Ladi, you play those things. But there's one, you know, when you play rubber, there's one bloom bloom, that balloon, the biggest one. Nobody won that thing. Am I, am I, are you all from Germany or something? <laughs> Amen. See this person that went to Igomode that is doing as if he doesn't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> when the Lord wants to bring out much fruit in your life, He has to prune you. Pruning is tough. It's tough. The other day I went to the gym when I came back from sabbatical. This is how I was working after three days. I said, Babe, now what for this one? No. What? Because I want to have muscles. It means if I'm going to go to the next chapter, I must be ready to pay what is required for the next chapter. So God would have to prune those he loves. It says, and when I prune them, it says they will now bear much fruit. More fruit. It means that where you had one, after the pruning is over, you have 10. You have been celebrating one since. The reason why you are still celebrating that one, pruning has not happened. If you understand this thing, you'll be praying for some of these things to happen. Because when they happen and you respond well, is an indication that something is on the horizon for you. When you respond well. If you don't respond well, you will carry that class again. Until that pruning happens. The Bible says Jesus lent obedience through the things that he suffered. We know what he suffered though. The very person that was in his camp, the person that was saving his money for him, was the same person that came to offer him up and say, kill this guy. And the very person that said, upon your rock I will build my church and the gate of hell shall not prevail. He told him, I said you are going to betray me. He said you are going to betray me. You care? You know me? I'm, I'm for you, Jesus, all the way. He says you are going, after cock with crow, he said, I lie. I am, I am. No way. You know what? after a few minutes the same person the same person listen if you don't settle this once and for all you you would hate life that at the end of the day man is man you included look at me if you check the archive of your life you must have offended more people than they've offended you if you are truthful to yourself listen your dressing pastor Obi can offend somebody in the church (laughs) Somebody just like, why is she just dressing like this? 
You are just offended. If I do like this now, somebody's angry. Why is he dancing on stage? I'm telling you the truth. Listen. If your perspective doesn't change, that what is going on, listen, what is going on, there's a pruning going on for me. That must be your perspective. A pruning, once you see that thing, but if a response is, I don't know what, look at what they do, you will not respond to that thing well. Once you see that strife and that hurt, know that a pruning has started in your life. That's why the Bible says in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. Let's go there. 2 Corinthians 4, 17. This time I is a liar. This time I is not see, doesn't know God. Look at what it says. It says, for our light affliction. Somebody say light. <laughs> Let me give a scenario for you. You come to the courtyard of heaven. God is seated there and you come before him. And you say, look at what they've done to me. Look at what my mom did for me, to me when I was young. Look at what my pastor did to me. Look at what my brother did to me. Look at what my friend did to me. Look at all this. I'm, I'm just even angry. Da, 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 da. And the Bible calls all of those things light. Light. <laughs> some, people, some people are doing like this. <laughs> Don't play. It says, for our light affliction which is for but a moment. Let me tell you something. Look at me, everyone. If you review this thing in context to time, it will be so long. But if you see it in context to eternity, it's very minute. It says this thing is for but a moment. The problem that has happened is that perspective has not changed. Some of you have taken it for a long time. Something that should just last some months, some years. You have made it into something that happened to you when you were 15. You have brought it to what you are now that you are 45. You've brought it into your marriage. You've brought it into other relationships. You are suspicious of everyone. You are just something that happened to you. You've elongated it. The Bible says it's for but a moment. But look at what it says in other words there. It says, but what this affliction does is that it is working in us. It says it is working in us a far more exceeding tautology. It means the writer of this text, Apostle Paul, couldn't find the right word to describe the weight of glory that will come out of this light affliction. It says it's far more, it's far reaching. Let's look for another version of scripture. Give me the TPT. Let's look at what the TPT calls it. It says a far, somebody say far. It means if you're operating in this level of glory, is look at what it says there. It says, we view our slight short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. That's how we view it, though. In the light of eternity, how many things is this thing? What is this matter? What is this one? You will now, you will now destroy your whole lifetime because of somebody's events that happened to you. Look at this. It says, we see our difficulties as substance that produces for us it's like, I said I like Gary, right? It's like, they give me the Gary substance. And I know that once that Gary substance comes, if I drink it, I will feel happy. It says, this thing is produced as substance for us. An eternal weighty glory beyond all comparison. Give me the message translation. Give me the message translation. Thank you, Lord. It says, these are times as small potatoes. 
potato. Somebody say, I'm, I've eaten small potato. Ask your neighbor, have, have you tasted potatoes? Have you? So when you're eating potatoes, next time you know what you're eating. <laughs> you're eating light afflictions. He <laughs> said, this hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good and lavish celebration prepared for us. Go to the next verse. Give me 19. Give me verse 18. It says, there's far more here that meets the eyes. The things we see now are here today and gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see now. Don't worry, I'm going deeper. We have reached. Some people are still arguing. You, know, you don't know my problem. Don't worry, let me drag your wig down again. Let's go again. Look at the scriptures, Proverbs 20, verse 3. Is somebody getting blessed? Proverbs 20, verse 3. It says, It is honorable for a man to stop striving, since any fool can start a quarrel. I didn't say that, the Bible said so. James 3, 14. Thank you, Jesus. It says, But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. This scripture, I was going to use it earlier, but let me stop a little bit. One of the first ways to heal, and I'm going to get there, is that you have to accept that you were hurt. That's what this Bible verse was saying. If you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. Don't say, I'm not healed. I'm not healed. I'm not hurt. Did you offend me? Did you offend me? I don't offend me. No, 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 I'm not offended. You are living in denial. If you lie against the truth, you are a liar. And the rots of God that can walk the change would not set in motion in your life. So don't, don't say I'm, I'm not hurt. No, you are. You are. That's where the challenge starts from. And that's where the healing starts. Romans 12, 17. I want to show you something there. Romans 12, 17. Romans 12, 17. It says, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Look at the next verse, verse 18. Verse 18. It says, If it is possible, live, live much as dependent or depends on you. Live peaceable with all men. Go to the next verse. All right, it says, Behold, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. Says the Lord. Look at this scripture. Usually, when we quote the scripture, Vengeance is mine, sometimes we quote it out of the place where God must vindicate you that vengeance is of the Lord. Oh. Anyway, I will not say anything. You know, this is one of the scriptures people quote when they are angry. Anyway, vengeance is of God. So in your mind, you're just thinking that that person will not prosper. I will show, I will, I will tell you that God is fighting for me. So in your mind, you are, some people even go as far as thinking that that person, as far as thinking that that person should die. As far as thinking that that person will never amount to anything in life anymore. Listen, everyone. God loves his children. You see, your own if impact and your relationship with the person 
all of a sudden doesn't change his mind about that person. He, before you came, or both of you ever existed, before Methuselah, Jesus was going to come and die. The debt was paid. Are you getting what I'm saying? Irrespective of what you think about the person, God doesn't change his, he's not a man. He doesn't change his emotions for the person that he loves. He loves his children, including you. When the Bible says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. It's not saying that I will repay them for evil. It's saying that I will repay you. Do you understand? Don't worry about that thing. I will repay you. It's not I will repay them. I will show them that I'm God. They will just wake up one morning. The roof on their house is taken away. All the flood, everything in their houses. They are, not, they are just stuck naked, walking like this. Hey, hey, who did I offend? Who did I? That's what people are thinking. God said, Farabale, don't worry. I will repay you. What they took from you, what they lost from you, me, I will be the one to repay you. This is why the response when you are hurt, if you are looking for man or looking at man, that's where the problem comes. That's why the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Every person in the Old Testament who was struck by the serpent, the moment they looked at the serpent on the cross, they could leave. What the Bible is saying is that forget all these things, look to the cross, look to Jesus, look to Jesus. The moment you are looking there, your healing begins to happen then it can repay you many of you have many deposits you have not collected back you need to collect your payments you can't be saving in a bank saving in a bank and you are not being paid you can't be doing a business or investment and not getting investment back many of you have plenty of things that not be paid back you know why because where you are looking at is false is until you look at him then he will repay you what he's trying to say in other words is that vengeance is mine leave all those things focus on me let me repay you and let me say something here before i go into the next thing that payment also is dependent on your body posture and your heart if the desires of your heart is that when that payment comes, you will now repay them with the payment. Somehow, somehow that payment will touch them. <laughs> then God knows. I will delay the timing of this thing to come. Sometimes I will take them far away from your life that there is no way to show them again. That I've paid you. Hi. Listen. When we say that God is a God of justice... It means that he is not favorable to you in dispensing that justice. What that means is that he's the judge of the earth. He sits in eternity, saw everything. Which means when all the events and activities were going on, he was judging the matter as just. He was away from the emotions of things. Nobody he fights with. He didn't fight with you. He didn't fight with the person. He seated there looking at the whole thing. And then he would then justify the case as judge of the earth. When you understand these things, you will leave things quickly. That's how I've lived my life. Oh. I drop it quickly. <laughs> Let me tell you one of the biggest problems of hurt, strife, and offense is what the Bible calls root of bitterness. Open with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15. Is somebody getting blessed? Uh -uh, they don't hurt you now like this. So yes, oh, <laughs> don't choke everybody. <laughs> Amen. So today I come in the power of the Spirit. Let the offended breed. <laughs> Amen. And look at the scripture. 
It says, look at it carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. This is the only text in the Bible that is written clearly that someone can fall short of grace. And the place where it was written was in consonant and in conjunction with offense, hurt, and strife. It says, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, causing trouble, and by this many become defiled. Let me tell you something. The process of hurt and offense is that once you get hurt and get offended and you continue like that, like that, like that, there is a seed that your imagination, which is in the soul, helps you amplify. That seed will, begins to, will begin to blow it out. Oh, this is more than this. Oh, do you know how they did this to you? How Blow it up for you. And when that thing is blown up for you, it leaves a seed in your soul. That seed in your soul doesn't need water to cause it to be germinated. It just needs your constant thoughts. Your thoughts is the water that fuels and grows the seed of hurt. Oh, you missed what I just said to you. Your thoughts is the water. The moment you have a seed and there is no water to water the seed, the seed dies. But the moment there is water to water it continuously, it continues to grow. It grows to a point that every seed must bear fruit. Hmm. And when it bears fruit, it can become as big, as large. And the roots of that seed, something that started at the seed, creates a root. That root goes deep within, downwards, the same way roots goes into the soil, depending on the kind of tree it is. Grows deep and goes wide and grows deep. So strong that there are some trees you can't pull up by your hands. Some trees you can't even cut up by the cutting machine. Sometimes you have to go and cut in different places. It's gone as far, sometimes even one kilometer. Gone so deep. And the Bible says what happens is that there will then be what the Bible calls the roots of bitterness. Every root bears fruits. And every fruit, someone eats out of it. And one person who eats out of the fruits and throws it down, grows another one. Then the circle continues. This is the, super, this is the strategy of the devil on the earth. The root of bitterness. Look at me, everyone. Sometimes if the root of bitterness is very obvious, you can kill it out quickly. But a lot of times, the root of bitterness is usually not obvious until the fruit begins to manifest. If I plant a seed on the ground outside and I walk on it, I wouldn't know that there's a seed on the ground there because it's not obvious but it's growing inside it's just a matter of time it's going to come out and when it comes out and I don't cut it quickly all of a sudden somebody comes around you you don't trust them anymore 
All of a sudden, your husband says to something, something to you. You are very defensive quickly. The roots are started growing tree gradually. Before you know it, it becomes a big, mighty tree in your life. That everyone who comes around you must eat of the fruits that comes out of that tree. That's why you meet some people, they are very toxic, very bitter. They talk about everybody around them. They suspect everybody around them. That thing was a little seed that became a big tree. You know the interesting thing about trees that is rooted? They don't move. They are always on one spot. This is how people get capped for years on one spot. You see some people just like, why is this person roaming around circles? It's just there. Because they never took time to identify that a tree has grown in my life unknown to me. I need to cut this thing down now. And sometimes to cut some kind of tree, you can't cut it alone. That's why the Bible says the word of God is quick, powerful, and sharp. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It means that he was use one hand to cut off the branches, which is the sword. Two-edged sword now. One part of the sword is cutting down the branches, which is producing the fruits. The other one is going after the roots to cut that thing down. That's the word of God. Write this down quickly. Amen. Praise God. Write this down. The effect of roots of bitterness in your life. Number one, it distorts the perception, your perception about life. The root of bitterness distorts the perceptions about life. Your whole perception about life. All of a sudden, you're just, just an angry person. You're just angry at everybody. The guy just wants to say hello to you. What? 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 You too, you have come. Just because Ochuko did that to you. Now you have, you saw the flyer for the service. Very creative. Let's put our hands together for the media, for the creative team. Blocked everybody. Now your husband just kindly comes to church. Just meets you for the first time and says, Hi, how are you? Always, how am I? Just, just defensive. Do you know that sometimes it's not even what you say, it's the air and the aura, the fragrance that you carry. It's repelling us because of the roots of bitterness. So it distorts your life completely. Number two, it distorts your decisions and your path. Look at me, everyone. You want to know the fastest way God can speak to you? Get offended. <laughs> That's the first. You want to get you don't want to know you want to find the fastest way God speaks to people, spiritual people, get offended. Once you're offended, God can speak to you. People walk out of marriages when they're offended. People walk out of relationships, divine relationships when they're offended. People walk out of businesses and jobs and careers just by offense. Your decisions just begins to get perverted. And you, I'm telling you the truth, you'll be feeling in that season that that's what God is telling you to do. And you'll be defending it by revelation. <clears throat> the spirit of deception is now waving at you. <laughs> the spirit of deception. Listen, those spirits are very close to your skin. That's what you call familiar spirit. You'll be speaking like God. You'll be thinking you are hearing God, but you're hearing your ego. 
Your ego is the one brewing. But you'll be hearing God. And let me tell you something. Sometimes you'll be reading the Bible and hearing messages and you'll be interpreting it to be in alignment with what and the decisions you're about to make. Ten years down the line, you look at it and say, Kai, I was off. The root of bitterness. People will wake up and just start making decisions. You know what? I'm done. I'm done. This person never again. Just this. I, I feel it's my, I see sometimes we lie on seasons in church. It's my season of wilderness. You just told me now that you are a season of glory. Now, now, now you are offended. Now you have entered wilderness. Is God confused about your season now? Season of wilderness. I'm a season of isolation. I'm a season of review. And which other season do people have? I'm a season of stepping back. I'm a season of waiting. I'm a season of praying. I'm a season of going forward. I just feel the season has shifted. I just feel the air has moved. I feel there's a new time for me. Oh, God, day. Calm down. Your life's decision just gets distorted. And once decision is distorted, destiny is aborted. It's the mercy of God that then comes to play. Your decision determines your direction. Number three. Your defense and guard now goes high. Defense and guard. You are guarded. Hey! Have you met guarded people? Touch somebody beside you and say, hey, are you a guarded person? Have you met guarded people? I remember one time I met somebody before I asked a question. The person I've answered is like very. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like, no. Ah, I'm not even trying to invade you. Like, calm down now. Guarded. Guarded. Suspicious. You just got out of a relationship that wasn't too good. Now, this next guy that you are dating just didn't call you by 9 p.m which for the past four days he's been calling by 9 p.m. In your mind, you're already thinking he has gone to meet Fiona. Because the last guy went to meet Fiona. He said, Fiona. This Fiona. This Fiona. This Fiona. Is that Fiona in this house? Sorry. <laughs> this Fiona. Do you know that some of our parents will look at you to the face and say, don't do partnerships. You know why? Because when they, were growing, when they were doing their own business, they had a partner. And the partner partnered with their destiny and took everything from them. So they will tell you, don't have business partners. Oh. You, you are a strategist. That next person beside you is a fundraiser. You have strategy. That person is a fundraiser. You don't know how to fundraise. Because your father told you don't do partnership. You are carrying your strategy everywhere and you are broke. A broke strategist. Whereby you are supposed to take your strategy and go and meet a fundraiser and partner with the fundraiser. Let that business grow to another level, but put measures in place by wisdom. You now went to one side of the pendulum, moved to another side of the pendulum, and you are operating something your father said, a seed of bitterness. Do you see how the fruit is continuous? A seed of bitterness that entered, they passed it to you by thought, you absorbed it and took, that's what the Bible says, casting out every imagination and every eye thing that exalts itself. Is it word from God or word from man? The experience of man doesn't justify the word of God. Ooh. Glory to God. Number four, quickly, trust issues. People then begin to have trust issues. 
I have so much to say, so I need to move quickly. Number five, it usually starts with a simple offense. Number six, the root of bitterness. It affects your health. I remember Kenny Hagen talking about a particular lady. I shared this with you last week. He was going to pray for this lady, and the Lord said, don't pray for her. She has so much offense in her soul. Just get her to forgive. Sometimes, listen to me, believers. You remember the story in the Bible where Jesus casted out the spirit of infirmity? The spirit of infirmity is actually a spirit that produces sickness in the life of a believer. And the spirit of infirmity usually toss around looking for people who have in their life loopholes of hurt and offense. That's the way it can come inside. It's the spirit of infirmity. Now, the oppression of the spirit of infirmity, and I just feel led by the spirit to address that and attack that right now. Thank you, Jesus. Now, the spirit of infirmity, when it comes to the life of a believer or anybody who was born again, it wolves around your life. Now, what happens is that when they find a loophole, that's what the Bible says, neither give place to the devil. It says, resist the devil. It didn't say entertain him. The word resist there means cause him to go far away from you. When the spirit of infirmity comes, the word infirmity means all manner of evil. That's why the Bible says where strife is found, all manner of evil. Which means it can start out like typhoid and then enter into arthritis. Enter into this one. Enter into heart pain, heart attack, da da da. The spirit of infirmity comes in with all his siblings into the life of a believer but not you somebody say amen when Jesus casted out that spirit it was a spirit of infirmity he said your spirit of infirmity out the word of God is medicine to your bone and to your flesh you have to protect your heart if not you're just going to give way to the devil unnecessarily and you just give yourself open and susceptible to the infusions of demonic spirits and oppressions in your life. You don't need that as a believer. You have so much more you are going to. There's so much more God has planned for your life. You don't need to be dealing with one thing and cleaning up baggages and cleaning up things and moving around whereby we have no continuity. We seek another to come. Proverbs 4.18, the part of a just man is as a shining light. It shines brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter to a perfect day. The Bible talks about Abraham. Abraham was looking for a foundation on the city whose builder is the Lord. He was on a sojourn in his journey of destiny and so should you be also not laying aside every wave and filthiness and so filthy that holds you back he says let them put all those things aside he said lay aside those weights and sin that easily besets you glory to God oh thank you Lord somebody's free in the name of Jesus number seven the root of bitterness destroys relationships it destroys your some supernatural relationships God brings to your life you just destroy it Oh, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I know we live in a generation where it's very easy to throw in the towel. Every small thing, I'm done. And then you can sing songs to help you validate. I'm not going back. I'm moving ahead. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me say something here and I'll balance that in a moment. Forgiveness doesn't mean stupidity. 
which means that you are now saying I'm forgiven then you now go back to open yourself to your oppressor that's not for you for you let go but you are you getting what I'm saying uh-huh. when they wanted to kill Jesus the Bible said he just moved like this and just eased himself out so it's not that you now say you forgive but you can love people from distance sometimes and that's okay Amen. Amen. So that's not stupidity. You go back and they do the same thing to you, you are foolish. Amen. Somebody say, yes. That's all the word I needed today. <laughs> that one makes them feel good. Finally, it blinds your eyes. All right, write this down quickly. Why should you let go of strife and offenses and unforgiveness? Number one, Number one, protect the blessing in your life. Somebody shout, I'm a blessed man. Oh, you're not sounding it good. Say it one more time, I'm a blessed man. Say it one more time, I'm a blessed man. Listen, you cannot be carrying egg on your head and you are running or you are playing ball. Listen, a blessed man is conscious, number one, about his blessing. And number two, the blessed man is conscious about leaks in his life that can stop the blessing from operating. One of the leaks in your life that can stop the blessing from operating is unforgiveness and um, strife. I tell you the truth. Look at this. This is what our dear beloved father Abraham understood. Abraham quickly went to Lot. I know I was the one that brought you out of the hands of Aaron and said, guys, please, I don't want you and I to strife. He said, this place is so far and big. You take the part that is good for you. I'll take the part that is good for me. Genesis chapter 13. And look at what Abraham said to him. You go first. It's okay. I'm a blessed man. I have to protect what I have. Listen, strife is a doorway that comes to attack the blessing. And when it attacks the blessing, the blessing can function properly. Some people, the Lord told me this many years ago. He said the reason why, if you see a depreciation in favor in your life, go and check your love work. If you see people not generally disposed to you to do you good, go and check it. It's a check. That's what the Bible says. Examine yourself whether you are in the faith. As a believer, you must learn how to examine yourself. Why is this thing dwindling? Why is the anointing dwindling? Why is my life going out of space? Are there things in my life? This is why David said, Search me, O God, and know my ways. If there's any evil way in me, turn me, life everlasting. Glory to God. You must protect the blessing of God upon your life. You are a blessed man. A blessed man don't joke with certain things. Number one on the list is strife. If you're blessed, you keep the... Pro- the, the blessing has, a, it has an atmosphere to function. Oh yes, write that down. The blessing has an atmosphere to function. The atmosphere of the blessing is to preserve yourself from strife. Look at what happened to Abraham afterwards. Genesis 13, 14. The Bible says, And when Lot had left Abraham... God came to him. Look at this. It says, And the Lord said to Abraham, After Lot was separated from him. Somebody say after. Somebody say after. After Lot was separated from him, he said, Now lift up thy eyes and look from the place where thou stand. He's saying to him, in other words, From where you are standing, I will give you everything now you can see. You know why? It meant that the moment strife was over, Abraham could see well. Remember what I shared to you. Luke chapter 4 verse 18 recovery of sight to the blind when that thing is over you will see clearly 
your perspective will change your life will change things God will talk to you will change everything about the way you see life the way you see things everything newness will come to play newness will enter into your life I tell you the truth if you see well he said look at everything not that he said so I will give you and I descend that so God wrought with Abraham a blessing not for only him but also his descendants because he passed the test of strife glory to God thank you Jesus I think I have to close now service time is far gone were you blessed I didn't enter a lot of things but um, can I take one or two questions please do you mind us taking questions all right um, if you have questions um, let's take one or two questions and we'll close the service thank you very much please put your hands together Thank you. You can move this away as well. All right. Um, if you have questions, this. If anyone has questions, can you please wave your hands? Thank you very much. I'll take two questions. All right. Le okay, I've taken one from that side. That's him. Can I take another from this side or this side so that we balance it out? Anybody from this side? Glory to God. Okay, you? You want to go first? Okay, that's the guy in brown jacket. Yeah. And I'll take one from this other side as well. All right, please go. All right, so um, also, like, in the sense of marriages, let's say your spouse or your partner offends you, and, you know, you're always forgiving, you're always trying to be there for the person. You're trying to, like, be open for the person. How do you work things out with that person? If it feels like you're always the one forgiving, you're always the one going to the extent of like being good and the person is just holding himself back, always offending you, always forgiving. Kai. And honestly, it would make you feel like <laughs> it would make you feel like you're doing too much. Kai. <laughs> Thank you very much. I get yeah. the question. Please put your hands together for him. Um let me let me say this way. Ask God to increase your faith. <laughs> But on a more serious note, the Bible says, can two work together except they agree? Sometimes we deal with things quickly and only in the natural. Sometimes in a marriage. That continuous attack on the marriage in terms of issues and fights and things. A lot of times, they are demonic activities that can be in operation I tell you the truth and sometimes because your emotions and your will and all those things are involved you might just think that we're not just agreeing we're not just agreeing you know why because the Bible says I think it's the book of First Peter it says that husband love your wife so that your prayers will not be hindered Many years ago, I read this book by Kenneth Copeland, um, The Laws of Prosperity. The last chapter of that book, he said, he said that when a family is not prospering the way they ought to prosper, usually they have to reconnect their love work. That because God is not going to bless a family because their prayers has been hindered by their love work. And sometimes the person that foils that thing is the enemy.
just helps you over magnify the thing. And how does the enemy fuel it? Do you know that the enemy doesn't fuel anything in isolation? That's what the Bible says about Jesus speaking. It says that the enemy came and he found nothing of himself inside of me. It means, in other words, that what the enemy does is that he looks for something inside of you and fuels that thing inside of you. It could be anger. It could be malice. It could be um, 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 mood swings. It could be temper issues. Whatsoever those things is, he finds it and amplifies it. It could be the way you talk. But you are thinking that that's the person just behaving. But it's the spirit of the devil that is operating sometimes. So, number one, have conversations. Both of you, if you are believers, get yourself into the consciousness that this ought not to be. According to biblical pattern, this is not how we should live together. If God says that we should love one another, how much more we, husband and wife, when God sees us, they see us as one. He sees us as one. Then this thing should not be so. So you have those kind of scriptural conversations. Not just you did this to me. If you keep it on the basis of what you did to me, 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 everybody will have something to stand on that is of something you did to me. After that, you deal with it spiritually, that thing will disappear. But the enemy can come back later, after a while. But you've guarded the gate of your house. All right. Any other question from this place? I'll just take one more question, if that's okay. Anybody? There's a question online. All right. Can I have the question online? Do you want to read it out or somebody? Quickly, because our time is very fast spent. I remember that I didn't write everything for you down when I talked about the unforgiveness, the strife. Number two is that it's, it's so much weight for your journey. It's so much weight for your journey, you don't need it. Number three, strife slows you down. Number four, it creates leaks in your life and, give you, and gives the devil a foothold in your life. Number four, it changes the way you see life. And number six, you hurt others. James chapter 5 and verse 16. James 5.16 and Mark 11.25. James 5.16, Mark 11.25. Give me the scriptures. James 5.16, Mark 11. It says, confess your trespass one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. It says the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man makes power available. Did you see this scripture? Do you understand the scripture? I know you've been quoting the downward part of the scripture, but it's not complete. What you've been quoting is that the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man makes tremendous power available. It's not complete. Your power is now made available after you are forgiven. You get that. When you confess your trespass one to another, you pray for one another, then your power, your prayer will become more powerful. Mark eleven twenty six. 26, quickly. Is it 26 or 25? Give me that one. It says, it says, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. All right, do we have that question? If there are no questions, let's pray. Just give me a signal, please. There's one question. All right, quickly. Just one question, let me take that. Okay, so this person is saying that how can someone love from afar? <laughs> from afar? Yes. That's how to love from afar. Just love from afar. <laughs> Okay. Please, can PS help us understand if blocking is all right? Our heart is pure towards these people, but can they be blocked for our sanity? So it's the afar thing too. You people brought me back to this blocking today, Sha. All right. 
Now, let me say this here. Next week, I'll touch on that. On things that you can do humanly wise to protect your heart. All right? Uh, now, if that helps you to be sane, for example, somebody promised you marriage. He brought ring for you. He sang West Life for you. He took you to your spirit. And he was dating somebody else he didn't know. Now you've heard that he's about to get married. He's already planning a wedding. They have now proposed. And you are going on his Instagram page and you are sitting and saying, you are looking at your life. An empty street. An empty house. You are singing those songs to yourself. You are singing uh, Adele and Yanni. Singing all those things to yourself. You will hurt yourself more. Let me give you advice. Block the bomboy. Block him times two. Are you hear what I'm saying? Block it for a while. Let your sanity. It helps your mental health. God is not against your mental health. If you say you are looking at it, you will be angry. The root of bitterness will continue, continue, continue. Any man you meet, you will say this one is this one has three wives already. He wants to come and date me. So it will affect you. So there's nothing wrong in you doing things naturally that helps you. You understand what I'm saying? But not going to the other side. Let me close with this. The thing about the things of the spirit, if you are born again, is that when you are going out of line, there will be a fuse on your inside that will go off. You'll feel like I'm taking this thing too far. Are you get what I'm saying? So let the spirit of God judge and help, help you. Father Lord, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice who is hurting their body. I ask for peace right now. If you are hurt in your heart, whatever it is, Spirit of the living God, let the healing power of God touch everyone. Let that hurt vaporize right now. Everyone walk out of this door and they won't even feel it anymore. It would go and disappear immediately so that they can enter into their promised land with ease and with grace. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We hope you were greatly blessed by today's message because God still has so much He wants to share with you. So stay connected every week to experience uplifting and life-changing moments in His presence.